The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Well, good morning, New Song Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Happy Thanksgiving. I hope that you're thankful. Are you thankful this morning? Turn to somebody and say what you're thankful for. Real quick, just real quick. You got 10 seconds. Tell somebody what you're thankful for this morning. Be thankful. We're thankful. Thankful for your pastor. So grateful. I'm thankful for you. Thankful that you guys worship like you do. I'm thankful for David Terry. Jackson bringing the word this morning. I'm thankful. Thankful for my wife. Look at her. Everybody look at her. Look at her. I'm thankful. Girl, I'm thankful. If you got your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 2. So good to see you this morning. Praying over you this week. You're going to have a great week. If you're here, this is your first time. Maybe you're visiting family. We're so glad that you came. And uh, after the service is over, I'd love for you to come and say hi to me. Me and my wife, Sarah, will be out in the lobby. Please stop by. Say hi to us. Uh, We actually have a gift for you. Something we'd like to put in your hands as a way of saying thank you for coming today. Matthew chapter 2, we're beginning a brand new series today called Home for the Holidays. And from now until past Christmas, um, we're going to be talking about what we can bring home for the holidays. Looking at things like hope and peace and love and joy and all these things that we can bring. But really what we're going to be talking about is relationships. Because if you're taking notes, we're jumping right into this this morning. Write this down. If your relationships aren't right, you aren't right. Can I get an amen? Amen. You know, you can have an incredible Thanksgiving dinner planned this year. You can have all of the Christmas wrappings together. You can have an amazing tree, music going, cocoa's hot, you know, presents. You have all the money in the world to buy all the presents. You can have all that stuff in place. But if your relationships aren't right, it don't matter. You ain't going to be right. And and we know this because one of the things we see at this time of the year, even though it's supposed to be the happiest time of the year, the jolliest, merriest time of the year for a lot of people, it is not. In fact, divorce rates go up after Christmas. Depression meds go up during Christmas. Uh, There's a lot of stuff going on. In fact, psychologists say it like this. They figured out that with mathematical precision, the most miserable day of the year occurs right after Christmas. Why is that? Well, here's why. Uh, the holiday season is kind of like a magnifying glass when it comes to our relationships or a magnifier. It doesn't make your relationship stuff a mess. It just magnifies the stress and the tension and the problems that you have in your relationships. Because we find ourselves in this season where we're supposed to be happy, we're supposed to have hope and peace and joy and love and be merry, and we ain't. And so what's, what's the problem? Why, why, why is that? So we're going to be talking about relationships and how to grow in your relationships, how to be better relationally. And uh, before we jump into the relationships of your life today, I want to focus on the most important relationship, and that is your relationship with God. Because here's the thing. If your relationships aren't right, you aren't right. But listen, if your relationship with God ain't right, none of the other relationships are going to be right. If you don't get that relationship going... It doesn't matter what you do with the other relationships. It's never going to be. It's never going to be complete. It's never going to be right. That's why Jesus, when asked one day, uh, what was so important, what was the most important thing we can do, he he pointed to this activity of of loving God. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. He says, "Love the Lord your God." Everybody say, "Love God." Love God. He said, "With all." Everybody say, "All." 
with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So, so here's the thing. The, the good news for you today is that, is that God wants you to love him, and he already loves you. In fact, let me say it like this. You write this down if you're taking notes. God's greatest desire is you. And his greatest desire is for your love. He wants to be close to you in a real relationship. Not, not religion, not rituals, not routine, not a bunch of tasks. He wants to be close to you in a real relationship. And, 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 and he wants our love and he wants to extend his love to you. So, so it's Christmas season is upon us, right? And what do we do this time of year? We give gifts, don't we? And one of the things we're doing with these gifts is our gifts represent an expression of love to the people that we care about. Like yesterday, my wife spent most of the day on her phone and on her computer, and she was doing research into what to get our kids for Christmas. Our kids, maybe you can relate to this, our kids come to us with a list of things that they want, and they are wrong. <laughs> Every year, they got it all wrong. They, they are wrong. They don't know. For one, they, they want stuff that's way out of the price range. If we got Gus what he wanted for Christmas, we would go bankrupt. It's crazy. But beyond that, too, really, a lot of what they want, they don't really want it. Like, we've gotten them the stuff that they thought they wanted before, and they played with it one time. One time! And they never touched it again. And now we're throwing it away this Christmas. <laughs> Anybody relate to this? Okay. So what we've learned is... It's our job as parents to, to give them the gifts that express our love to them, but are also the best gifts for them. That's how God works with you. He wants to give you good gifts. He wants to bless you, but he also wants to give you the best gift for where you are right now in this time and this season. But here's the thing. Okay, so, so he wants to love us like that, give us these gifts. What can we do for him? You ever thought about that? Because it's Christmas time. We give gifts to the people we love. Well, hopefully you love God. You love Jesus. So what do you give Jesus? And Jesus is, you know, when you think about that, it's kind of a tough person to shop for. Like, you probably have some people on your Christmas list that are hard to shop for. My dad is one that's hard to shop for in our family. He is the toughest one to shop for in our family. And it's not that he's a difficult man, because he's not. No. <laughs> Too difficult. But it's, it's that what I can actually give him. See, he's got a lot of stuff. He's just, he's got a lot. Like, you want to get my dad's shoes? How many pairs of shoes do you have? We shouldn't even say it. It's ridiculous. He's got more shoes than most women. I'm just picking on my dad. Is this okay? I don't think it is. <laughs> Authority, honor. Okay, here we go. He's got a lot of stuff. And so when you go to shop for him, it's difficult because within the budget, within what I can afford... It's hard to find something that he doesn't already have, like electronics. He's got a lot of that stuff. He's got a lot of clothes. A lot of, so it becomes difficult to shop for him. Now think about God, the Father. He got a lot of stuff. The Bible says that, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's a lot of hills and a lot of cows, right? Apparently that's the case. The Bible says this, it says, the heavens are yours, talking about God, the earth is yours, the world and all it contains. So God's got a lot of stuff, right? But what does God not have? What can you give him that he doesn't already have? Here's what it is. Ready? Your love. That is the only thing in this world that exists. It's also the thing that he wants the most. 
He desires to be close to you, to walk in a real relationship with you. So think about this. You can give God the thing he wants the most and the only thing he doesn't already have, but you have to do it. You have to freely give it. You're not a robot. You're not a Muppet or a puppet. You've got to give it to the Lord. You have to freely give it to the Lord. So what I want to talk about for the rest of this message is I want to talk about what you can give God this Christmas. And to help you to, to see this, uh, we're going to look at the story of the wise men from the Christmas story. So Matthew chapter 2, we'll start in verse 1, says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Okay, so these wise men come from Persia, and they have traveled for a long time to get to Jesus. In fact, uh, theologians believe that it probably took them about nine months to get from where they were to where Jesus was. It's a long journey that they've been on. They show up in Jerusalem, and it says this, verse 2, they said to the king, where is he who is the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Okay, so here's what happened. Nine months or so ago, these guys are, they're, they're astronomers, and they're looking, and they pay attention to the stars, and they notice this new star appears. And so they start to research this, and as they do, they discover these prophecies in the Hebrew Bible that speak to this king of kings, this Messiah who is going to be born. And so uh, they begin to move based on the word that they have read. They take the word of God, and they move based on it. And they go to Jerusalem, which is kind of the capital, you know, city of where the Hebrew people are, where they should be. They go there thinking that everybody's going to know about this. So they show up and they come to the King Herod and they're like, where is he who was born King of the Jews? Thinking that they're going to be like, oh, he's right over here. This has happened and here he is. But King Herod has no idea what they're talking about. Because <laughs> he's kind of juggling this interesting thing in that he's over them. He's the king of these people, but he knows nothing about these people. He's Roman and these people are Hebrew. They're Jewish. He doesn't know their customs, their religion. He has no idea. So he goes and he gets some of the Hebrew guys and brings them in, some of the leading pastors and teachers and people of the day, brings them all together. And he says, what are these guys talking about? Like, what, what's the deal here? And they begin to say, well, yes, there's going to be a Messiah born, this King of Kings. He's going to be the son of God. The, the, the prophecies say this, Numbers 24, it speaks to this idea of this star and all this stuff. He, they begin to tell him this. What's crazy is it's already happened. They have no idea. They're clueless. They know the words, but they don't know that he's already on the scene. And so, uh, so Herod goes back to the wise men. He says, okay, here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to go find him. And then once you find him, I want you to bring him back. And so they begin this journey of going to Bethlehem to see Jesus. But something happened. See, months ago when they saw that star, they saw it, and then it disappeared. It went away. And the Bible says that as they begin to journey, that it reappears. And this time, theologians believe that actually the star began to move. And so they followed the star, and it actually says that it shone down on the house where Jesus was. And it didn't lead them to Bethlehem because Jesus wasn't in Bethlehem anymore. He was in Nazareth. So just to kind of blow up something that you need to know this morning, that, that nativity scene that you have in your house, that I have in my house, with Jesus in the little trough, you know, with animals and... Wise men, that didn't happen. When the wise men show up, they show up at the house of Jesus, and, and, and he's about two or three years old. This is years later. Check this out, verse 11. And when they had come into the house, notice it's not a stable, not a manger, it's a house, they saw the young child. Young child there means that he was a toddler, probably two, three years old, with his mother Mary. Check this out. And they fell down and worshipped him. Everybody say they worshipped him. 
Then they opened their treasure chests and gave. Somebody say, gave. They gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Then, this is interesting, we'll come back to this later, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own country another way. Okay, so the, these wise men show up, they travel, they journey to see Jesus, and the whole reason they do it is in verse two. It says that they have come to worship him. That's why they've come. And so when they show up, we see in the actions that they participate in acts of worship towards the king. So I want to talk about these acts of worship that they participated in because these are acts of worship, but they're also acts of love that we can participate in. And these are the gifts they brought to Jesus. And these are also the gifts that you can bring to God this year for Christmas. Okay, so here's the first thing you got to understand. Worshiping Jesus is an act of love to God. Worshiping Jesus. And when I say worship, I'm not talking about what we just did here in the service, although that is a part of worship. I'm not talking about putting on you know, the, the new Hillsong album in your car while you drive around. I'm not talking about what you do when, you, when the mood hits you just right and you feel like worshiping God. I'm talking about a lifestyle of worship. I'll show you this in a minute. Okay, but first of all, I, a few months ago, I taught a message called More Than Able to Worship. And if you missed that message, I would encourage you to go back because I really explain what worship is, how worship works. And I talk about the definition of worship. I'll give you a little bit of, of the news, but if you want more detail on it, you need to go back and listen to that message. But in it, we say that worship is love expressed. Worship is how we express our love to God. But more than that, the Bible says that true and proper worship is this. It's sacrificial, it's God-focused, it's faith-filled, and it's a gift of love given to Jesus or to God. That's what worship really is. So God asks this of us and actually requires this of us. That's the kind of worship that's true and pleasing to God, that kind of worship. And here's why God can put that demand on you when it comes to worship, because that's exactly the kind of love that he's expressed to you. The Bible says in John three sixteen, most famous verse in the Bible, God so loved that he gave his only son. So God loved you, so he expressed his love for you. And how did he express his love to you? He gave you the gift of his son. And what was Jesus, if we're thinking of him as a gift, what was the gift of Jesus? Well, he was a sacrificial, others-focused, faith-filled gift. He was sacrificial and that he sacrificed all that he had in heaven to put on skin and become a human being. And then he sacrificed his life by dying on the cross for our sins. How many of you know Jesus lived a sacrificial life? Jesus' life was others-focused. It wasn't focused on what he wanted to do all the time. We know that he didn't want to go to the cross. But what did he do? He said, not my will, but yours be done. He was focused on the will of God and on meeting people in their needs. So he was others focused, not just on his own needs, but on the needs of his father and the needs of the world around him. And then he was faith-filled in that the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Jesus died for you before you ever took one step towards him. He took a thousand towards you. So we see in the life of Jesus and we see in the cross the, the perfect display of what love truly is. Sacrificial, others-focused, faith-filled expression of love. That's what God gave to us. And when the wise men came with the gifts that they brought, they displayed this same kind of heart and attitude. Look back at verse 11. Look at what it says. It says, and when they had come into the house, and remember, they came to worship, Right? When they came into the house, they saw the young child with his mother Mary, and they fell down and worshiped him. And we think, we read that, and we think, okay, that's when they started worshiping. But I'm here to tell you, that is not when they started worshiping. That's the culmination of their worship. 
They've been worshiping Jesus for nine months. They worshiped Jesus months ago when they read in the Hebrew scriptures about this king and they decided in that moment that they were gonna start living a sacrificial life, pursuing an encounter with him. And so they began to readjust and change their life. And so what is, what is worship? It's sacrificial. Well, these guys sacrificed, didn't they? They laid down their normals. They laid down getting to sleep in their own bed. How many of you enjoy sleeping in your own bed? They didn't have that for nine months. They had to travel. They had to ride camels. Like they weren't in like a nice car or an airplane. They were on camels, sleeping outside, roughing it, sacrificing, being away from their families, their wives. It was a sacrifice what they did. It was God-focused. They were thinking about God. They were thinking about Jesus and having this encounter with him. They weren't thinking about themselves. If they were thinking about themselves, they wouldn't have left. They were thinking about others. They were thinking about encountering God. And, and it was faith-filled. They moved based on the word, not knowing for sure in the natural what it was going to lead to. They had to move. They didn't know when they show up what's, what they're going to run into. They don't know. They're just move. They believe the word, and they move based on the word. That's called walking by faith. So what we see is this display of, of walking by faith, of, of sacrificial living, of God-focused life in, in, in being played out, not just in a, in a moment. The moment, we see the culmination of the moment, but it's a lifestyle that they have been living. And because of it, understand this, because of it, they got to have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. And they got to be a part of the story that God was unfolding in the world around them. And I want you to know this morning that in front of you is the same opportunity that was in front of the wise men. If you'll be willing to do what they were willing to do and live a lifestyle that says, this isn't just about me, this is about God. I'm gonna lay down some of my normals to pursue God and go after him and chase after him and I'm gonna do it by faith in his word that you get to have face-to-face encounters on a daily basis and you get to be a part of the story that God is, 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 is unfolding in this world around us. Can I get an amen? amen? But here's the other thing. If you don't do it, you miss out. Because think about this, there's a bunch of people and they knew what the word said. Herod calls them in and they're able to open up the scriptures and say, yeah, it says right here, Numbers 24, there's a king, there's a Messiah, he's gonna be born. They're showing him, they know it. But somewhere along the line, they quit believing it and they stopped looking for it to happen and they stopped living like it could. And it became ritual and it became routine. And even though God was moving all around them, they had no idea. And this is a dangerous place that we can fall into if we're not careful. If we're not careful, we come into environments like this where God is moving. And listen, God's moving in this church, man. It's amazing what God's doing in this house. The healings that are taking place, the, 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 the marriages that are being restored, the families that are being put back together, people getting off drugs, like amazing things, people hearing God for the first time. I, I could, I could t- give you all these, all these stories, but here's the thing. You can be a part, around, a part of that. You can be around that. God can be moving, and you can be totally missing out on it because for you, it's become ritual. It's become routine. It's just something you do. It's not something you really, truly believe in and base your life and live based on. So here, here's, here's my, my question for you. If someone was to look at your life, the, the whole of your life, would they, be, would, they, would they see a life that displayed worship and love being expressed to God 
on a regular basis? Would they see someone living a sacrificial, God-focused, others-focused, faith-filled life? Or would they see someone who was displaying selfishness, who's displaying fear-based decisions? What, what would they truly see? Here, here's the beautiful thing about God. God, you, you can worship God wherever you are. You can pick up today. And God will pick you up wherever you are today. Because understand this, you may say, well, God, I, I couldn't experience that. I could never step into an encounter with God, a presence with God kind of opportunity. I'm not, I'm not worthy of that. Listen, it does, it, that's not what's important. Jesus can make you worthy. He can make you holy. And the, and the reality you need to understand about God is he's not looking for a perfect atmosphere. He's just looking for a welcoming atmosphere. Will you welcome God into your life? What if, what if this holiday season, between now and Christmas and, and beyond, what if we really decided, okay, I'm gonna lay down some of my normals, I'm gonna sacrifice some of what makes me comfortable, and I'm gonna pursue God in a greater way than ever before. And I'm gonna believe his word, I'm gonna base my life on his word, live by faith, I'm gonna focus on God, and I'm gonna focus on others instead of just focusing on myself. What would we have? I'll tell you what we'd have. What all those Christmas songs talk about. Hope and peace and joy and love. You'd experience that. Now, I'm not telling you your life will become perfect because it won't. But in spite of what may be going around you, what maybe is you're experiencing, you can still encounter the fruit of the Spirit and God working in you and through you if you'll live a life of worship. But worshiping Jesus is an act of love. And by living that kind of life, you're giving God something he really desires to have. You're putting God on the throne. You're saying, God, you're God, I'm not, and I'm gonna give you everything. So what we see in these guys is this attitude that says, worship it. We're gonna worship you with what we have. We're gonna live a life of worship for you. Here's the second thing. Giving to Jesus is an act of worship. Giving to Jesus is an act of worship. Giving. So we, we know these guys, because of what it says in Matthew 2, it says they came to worship him. We know that what they did, what they displayed in the acts that they participated in when they show up and see Jesus, we know that those acts are acts of worship. So what does it say they do? Verse 11, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child Mary with his mother. They fell down and worshiped him. That, they, that's obviously worship right there, but look at this. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave. Everybody say gave. gave. Gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now remember what we said, what said in verse two. They're worshiping him. So these gifts are a display of worship to God. This is love expressed to God through these gifts. And, and, and you think about it. That's, you know, when you give gifts, it's Christmas time, right? We give these gifts and they express our love. So like this Christmas, I'm going to give some Christmas gifts to my family. And these gifts that I'm giving, like if they're going to be good gifts, they have to display these things. Sacrificial, others focused, faith filled, right? Right, church? So, so like for my wife, if I'm going to give her a good gift, I have to be thinking about her. It has to be focused on her, right? And, and I've, got to, I've got to focus in on what, what she needs. And let me just let you guys in on something. Any, any of you guys ever, well, don't raise your hand. Put your hand in your pocket. Struggle to figure out what to buy your wife for Christmas. You can just look at me like this, okay? I see it. Okay, I see it all over the room. Okay. I used to struggle with this too. And uh, for the first, how long have we been married? 16 years? For the first about 13 years, I struggled with this. 
And then I finally got it. It took me a while, but I finally got it. And I realized that this girl gives me little hints from time to time of what she would actually want. And so what I did was I, I began on my phone. I have this note on my phone. It's called Sarah's Christmas, Sarah Do Not Read. That's the title of it because she gets into my phone and reads stuff. And so I had to make sure don't get into this one because it'll ruin everything. And so in it, I just, throughout the year, I'm just listening. You got to listen, guys. You got to listen, okay? If you listen, you'll hear it. And I'll listen. And then she'll just drop a little thing. And when she does, I'll just kind of wander off and I'll go over to my phone and I'll put it in. And so Christmas comes and I just open up and there it is, everything I need to know. And then I give it to her and she's like, oh, I forgot. And I become the hero. So there you go, man. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. What was I talking about here? <laughs> Sacrificial. But it's a sacrifice. These gifts that I give, they've got to be a sacrifice. Like it's going to cost me something. It's going to cost me some money. It's going to cost me some time. Any of you fathers been putting together a present for your daughter at 2 o'clock in the morning before? You've been there, and you're, you're trucking along, and you're on step 67, and, and you get to step 67, and you realize that you used a, step, you used a part in step three <laughs> that you shouldn't have. And now you have to backtrack through 60, through all the way back, replace that, and then come back. I'm just telling you, it's a sacrifice. Can I get an amen? amen. A good present is sacrifice. It's others focus. You, you probably received a gift at like the Christmas party at, at work, and it was not a gift that was focused on you. It was a gift focused on, I got to get somebody a $10 gift. So I'll go to that section as seen on TV at CVS on my way to work. And here you go. It's a pan made out of copper. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Thank you. You know me so well. No, no. Or maybe you've gotten that gift before. And guys, unless she asks for it, just don't buy Home appliances, like a, like, a, like a vacuum cleaner or like a ironing board. It ain't going to go over well. I'm just letting you know. If she asked for it, okay. If she didn't ask for it, step off. <laughs> step off. Okay. I'm going all over the place. But we understand gifts are expressions of love, right? You guys track with me? And so these guys bring gifts. Now, the gifts that they brought were expressions of love, and they're expressions, expressions of worship. First of all, it says they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That was the best. That was their best. It was the best they could offer. In Persia, these were the best elements they had to give. So they brought their best. Um, they also brought something that was sacrificial. Actually, I'll talk about that in a minute. Let's, let me tell you this. Through. They, they brought something that was God-focused, what they brought to him was stuff that God could use, that Jesus could use, that his family could use for him. You think about what they brought to him. You know, they brought him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They didn't, like, they didn't give that to Jesus. It's not like when somebody has a two-year-old. You know, just try that sometime. Bring a two-year-old some myrrh. <laughs> they ain't going to like it. Uh, but, but what they brought, they brought these elements that were valuable to this family. And the family could take these elements and they could use them for the cause of Jesus. The same way, when you bring finances and gifts to the church, we take those and we use them for the cause of Jesus Christ in the world. And through the church, you're able to give directly to Jesus. So they brought something that was focused on him. 
And then they brought something sacrificial. It says they opened up their treasury. You know, in Bible times, when you traveled, it was different, and your finances were different too. Like when I go on vacation with my family today, I, I have access to my bank account no matter where I live because I've got check cards and, and these ways to access my bank account. In Bible times, they couldn't do that. When they traveled, they had to bring treasure with them. And so they would determine how long the trip was going to be. So they had nine months there and nine months back. So they, they needed 18 months worth of finances to help them for the trip. And then beyond that, because, you know, they didn't know what they were going to run into, they brought extra. And typically, they brought double what they needed. So when these guys traveled to see Jesus, they had 36 months worth of finances. Now, the extra part, that extra 18 months of finances was considered the treasury. So when it says they opened up their treasury and gave, they were giving of their safety net. They were giving of their security. And by doing so, what they're saying in this moment is, God, we trust you to be our security. We trust you to be our safety net. We're walking in faith. And, and what's amazing is right after they do this, we see that they step into this new kind of relationship with God where it says that they were, they were warned divinely. See, now that they put their security in God, now he can step in and become their security and keep them safe. Because listen, he warned them not to go back to Herod. Because they go back to Herod, guess what? They're going to die. He's going to kill them because he's crazy. So because they obeyed God and put their security in him, see, they see Jesus and they say, you are worthy. Like what we sang this morning, you're worthy. We see this is God. This is, and so you're worthy. We, we, we were going to bring you this, but now we're giving you everything because we trust you and we put our safety and security in you. We trust you with our life. And, and, and we see that after they do this, they step into this new kind of relationship. Before, remember, they're having to get like told what to do by the people in Jerusalem and the Hebrew leaders are trying to kind of direct them. They have to have these stars leading them, but now they're actually hearing from God themselves. So, so once you see is when we trust God and give God from our all, from the fullness of our life, we step into a closer relationship with him. You say, Pastor Josh, are you saying if I, if I give my money to God, then I'll be closer to him? No, I'm saying if you love God and worship him fully, you'll be closer to him. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying if you live a life where you say, God, I trust you and I give you of every area of my life and there's no area of my life that's off limits, then I believe you step into a closer relationship with God. Think about the relationships you have in your life, the close relationships. You got any areas in those relationships that are off limits with your spouse? I ain't gonna make you any closer. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> but when you, when you step in to really go all in with someone in a relationship, there's a closeness, there's a bond, there's, a, there's an intimacy that you're able to experience. And I'm just telling you, God wants that for you and he has that for you if you're willing to trust him with everything. And beyond that, listen, God wants to bless you. Now, hear me when I say this. We don't give to get, okay? That's not the motivation for why we give to God. It's not. But I do want you to understand, when you give, God will bless you. It's very clear in Scripture that what you sow, you're going to reap. That if you give, it will be given unto you. That's what the Bible says. Turn to the person beside you and say, that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. When you, when you, when you do what God's asking you to do, he's able to bless you. And you're able to step into some things that he has for you. So, so here's the thing. Last week, we talked about the Heart for the House offering that's coming up. And we talked about we're, we're, we're raising these finances above and beyond our tithe 
to, to give to this house. We take up this offering once a year, and we're going to use this year's to help us to get into the new lease building that we're excited about. We're so pumped. We've bought land. We've got this building. We're going to start this remodel on it. There's a lot of work, about $150,000 plus worth of work that has to be done, and we're inviting you to be a part of that with us, what God's going to do. We believe this is a God cause. This is a Jesus cause, that God's going to do something through this new building, that we're going to be able to reach more people and impact our teenagers and our kids and, and the community around us in a greater way. It's going to be a great thing. So, so we invited you to that. And, and then when I know how it works, we invite you to it. And then all of a sudden, what if start coming? Okay. Well, what if I give and what if, what if I don't have enough? What if I can't pay my bills? What if I can't, all these, what ifs start arriving? Well, I got another, what if for you? What if we walk by faith? I remember one of the first times me and Sarah ever gave sacrificially. Uh, we'd been married just a few years, and we didn't have very much money. We weren't doing very good financially. We were kind of living paycheck to paycheck at this time. And uh, in our house, we had a couch and a coffee table and a bed. That was it. We didn't have a dining room table. We ate our dinner on the couch every night like you do when you're newlyweds. But... Um, but we wanted to start fixing up our house. We bought a house that was a fixer-upper, and we couldn't fix it up because we never had any money. We get to the end of every month, and it was like, uh, okay, well, no. So, um, and also, we'd have people over, and we just had the one couch, so we'd have to just sit there all facing the same direction going, hey, what's up? So we wanted to, we wanted to make our house a little bit more of a home. So we would do this a lot. And let me just encourage you, wherever you find yourself today, Keep dreaming. Keep dreaming. Me and Sarah have been dreamers. Since, since we first met each other, we would drive around and we would look at houses and we would dream about the kind of home we would have. And we would look at furniture shops that were way out of our price range. And we would dream about the kind of furniture that we believe God could give us. And we dream about having children. We just dream. And I encourage you to dream and then ask God. Dream and ask God. You have not because you ask not. Ask God. So we're dreaming, and we're, we're doing one of these weekends where we're just out dreaming. We got no money, but we're dreaming. And we're walking through Mathis Brothers in Tulsa, and we find this little love seat, and it seems attainable. It's about $600. But we had already had some credit card debt problems early in our marriage, so we didn't want to do that, go that route. We didn't want to get in any more trouble. So we just decided, okay, we're going to save, and we're going to start living. We're going to sacrifice some stuff so we can save money to buy that couch. And I'm telling you, we didn't have much. Some months, we put back 15 bucks. Some months, we, we had a really good month. We were able to put $100. It took us a while. It took us months to get together this money. But finally, we had the money. We were so excited. And we went to church. And we're at church on a Sunday. <laughs> and, and here's what's funny is we were going to get the couch after church. I know. We're at church, and this, we're at our church, and this uh, missionary gets up, a guy named Reinhard Bonnke. Some of you have heard of him before, and he starts telling us, he preaches this incredible message about faith and walking with God, trusting God. But at the beginning, he's talking about this thing he's wanting to do where he's wanting to bring a million Bibles to people in countries where they don't have Bibles. And he's talking about these stories of people who have like one page of Scripture that is just soaked with tears, that they just kiss and they value so much. Talked about places where they, they'd have a Bible and people would, would tear this Bible apart just so they could have a piece of it. 
so you're hearing this going, okay, yeah, you can have some of my couch money, Lord. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with this. And our pastor gets to the end of the message and he invites us to give towards this. And so I'm thinking, this is great. I'm, I'm excited to do it. I, I recognize we're not gonna get our couch today and I'm cool with that. I'm fine with that. And so he says, I want you to pray. Take a moment and pray about what God would have you give. And so I bow my head and I start praying. And I'm thinking, you know, God, I'll give you, I'll give you 50 bucks. I'll, I'll help. That'll get some Bibles to people. And I'm praying, Lord, what would you have me do? And God goes, give it all. And I said, get thee behind me, Satan. That ain't God. God knows how much we've sacrificed. He knows what we've laid down. He would never ask me to. He wouldn't do that. Okay, God, I'll tell you what I'll do. We start negotiating with God. Some of you were doing it this week. Okay, God, I'll tell you what we'll do. I'm negotiating with God. God, I'll tell you what, I'll give you, I'll give you a hundred bucks. I'll throw a hundo your way, Jesus. How's that sound? And this, you know how this is. You're doing this like in a matter of seconds. God says, no, I want you to give it all. Okay, God, what about, what about $200? It's like Abraham when he's negotiating about, you know, what, would you save it for 50 people? How about 20? How about 10? Like I'm going the opposite direction. Okay, God, 200? Was that, would that please? No, give it all. And, and so I, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, and I'm, I'm, all this is happening so quickly, but I'm going, okay, Lord, I'll do it, and I'm happy to do it. But this isn't just my money. This is Sarah's money, too. She's been in this with me, so I need you to talk to her about this, please. Because I'm dumb enough to think that he, he isn't already. And so I, we get done, and I look over at Sarah. And I was like, hey, did you get something? And she's like, yeah. What did you get? Oh, you tell me first. No, I asked you first. You tell me. So we're, now we're arguing. But finally, I was like, okay, fine. I feel like God said, we're supposed to give it all. And she said, yeah, I got the same thing. And so we got our checkbook, and we wrote a check, and we left enough money in our account so that, sorry, so that we wouldn't uh, have to pay the fees for our savings account. We wrote in the little memo, couch money, and we put it in the offering bucket, and we watched it go. Oh, I forgot to say this too. When I was praying, I felt like God said to me, I want you to give this and just watch what I do. And so I gave it, and I gave it in faith, and I gave it sacrificially, and I trusted God with it. And it went down, and it, I remember the bucket. I could see it leaving now. <laughs> when we got, we got in our car after church, and I remember telling her, I'm like, I, I, God told me he's going to do something cool. And I don't know what he's going to do, but I, I, I know something cool is going to happen. I don't remember how long it was after this, but about a, less than a month later, I got a phone call one day from a guy named Tom that I didn't even know. And I was working in youth ministry. I was a graphic designer and a youth pastor at the time. And I get this call from this guy, and he's like, hey, my name's Tom, and I'm the youth pastor at this church in Houston, a little church you probably, maybe you've heard of before. It's called Lakewood Church. <laughs> Kanye was there last week. So, so he calls me up. He's like, hey, I've seen some of, the, some of your design stuff, and I'd like, to, I'd like to hire you for a job. So we start talking about the job, and it ends up that what, what this job is going to pay is a little bit more than what we just gave in the offering. I'm not done. I'm not done. 
I thought God was done. I remember calling up Sarah on the phone. I can see my office right now, calling her up going, babe, you're not gonna believe this. God came through. We got the money. We can go get the couch. We're gonna receive a check. Plus we got to get, I was so excited about that, but that wasn't the end. We went and we got our check. We, we took it. We went and got our couch. It was awesome. A few weeks later, I get another call from this guy. Man, we love what you did. We'd like to hire you to do another job. And then another job. And then another job. And then another job. And then one day he calls me up. He says, man, you're doing such great work. We'd like to actually bring you on, as, on as, with a retainer. And we'll pay you this much a month, which was more than I was already getting from them. And you'll do all the, the stuff for us part-time. Is that cool with you? Yeah, that's cool with me. That sounds good. Then I get a call from another guy. And he's like, hey, I, I heard that you did this stuff for Lakewood. I'd like to see if you could do some stuff for us. And so I start getting that project. Money just starts coming in. All this money's coming in. We're taking this. We're, we're using it to now fix up this house that we finally can now fix up. We put about $10,000 worth of work into our house over the next several months. We sell that house, make $40,000 on that house, put that money into the next house, live in it for a few years, sell it, make $50,000 off that house. Plus all the money that's coming every month. I'm telling you, I can look back at my life and with a $600 seed that I sowed into the kingdom of God, God took it and it became hundreds of thousands of dollars. So the question is not, what if the devil comes through? The question for you is, what if God comes through? What if God, what if you really do obey God, live sacrificially, trust him, live a life that he's asking you and inviting you into, and what if he comes through and does something amazing? Maybe I'm just dumb enough to believe that he can. It ain't dumb, though. It's faith. And I'm telling you, what's in front, what was in front of the wise men is what's in front of you today. Will you trust God? Will you be willing to step out in faith? Will you be willing this year, this, this holiday season, this Christmas season, to walk by faith instead of fear? to do it with joy in your heart, to trust God that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think, to worship God with your all, to have no area of your life off limits to him, and to live a lifestyle of worship where worship isn't segmented to a moment, but it's your life. Like the Bible says, you offer your fullness of the body of your life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to Lord. This is good, acceptable, pleasing worship. Sacrificial, God-focused, faith-filled. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I believe that in front of us today is the opportunity to bring home for the holidays those things that we desire. God wants to do something amazing in your life. We serve a good God. So what's the Lord saying to you today in this message? What's the Holy Spirit saying? Lord, we thank you for being the giver that you are that you loved us enough to give your life for us, to live a sacrificial life focused on us, filled with faith. Lord, we're grateful for it. And we say to you today, I know I say it, I know many of you in here do, that there's no area of our life that's off limits to you. That if someone looked at our life, Lord, we, we, we pray that they would see a life that displays love and worship for you, that if they looked at our bank account, if they looked at the wholeness of our life, that that's what they're going to see, a sacrificial, faith-filled, God-focused life, Lord. We pray that in Jesus' name. 
Amen. If you're here with your head still bowed and eyes closed, maybe you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. I want to invite you to step into that relationship today. Maybe you're here today and you feel like there's a distance between you and God. Well, that distance is is not God. It's, it's, It's you. And God invites you to be close to him. And what you need to do is just call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, and you'll be saved. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you can be saved. Wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, no matter how bad you've been, no matter what kind of mistakes you've made, Jesus loves you and he died for you. He made a way and you can step into real relationship with him today and he would love that. That's an incredible gift you can give to God is you today. So if you're here today and you'd like to do that, I wanna pray with you. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray a prayer. And as I pray this, I'm inviting you to pray along with me. And and New Song Church, since we're all in agreement, let's just pray this prayer out loud together. Say this, say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that he rose from the grave so I could be raised to new life in him. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. I give you my all. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's give those a hand that prayed that prayer this morning. I'm going to invite our altar ministry team to come down at this time. If you're here today and you have a prayer need of any kind, maybe you're dealing with something in your physical body today, maybe you're dealing with some kind of mental battle today, maybe you you need direction, you need wisdom, whatever it may be, if it matters to you, it matters to God. Amen? And since it matters to God, it matters to us. And we would love to join our faith with you in whatever it is that you're believing for. Also, if you're here today and you prayed that prayer to either uh, make Jesus the Lord of your life or to rededicate your life to Jesus, I just want to encourage you, before you leave, tell somebody. It may be one of our altar ministers. It may be a friend you came with today, but just let someone know. All you got to do is say, hey, I prayed that prayer today and I really meant it. And one of the things we want to do is we want to put a book in your hands. It's a book called 10 Steps Towards Christ that's going to help you to walk in the fullness of the life that Jesus has called you to as you walk out in faith this life God is has for you. God's got good things in store for you. Amen. So church, would you stand with me? We're going to go back into a a song of worship here, an opportunity for us to respond to the life-giving love that Jesus has given to us. And if you have a prayer need of any kind, this is your opportunity to humble yourself and be willing to step out in faith and receive what God has for you. So Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for everybody here. And I pray if there's anyone here today that has a prayer need of any kind, that they would have the faith to step out and receive all that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.